Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. It's sure great to be with you on this Saturday morning, whether you're at the workplace or just kicking around home. With me over here on the left, um, with his coffee cup at the ready, is Jim Shorney. And here is your Lincoln, Nebraska weather report. Good morning. Well, it's a nice and cool 58 degrees right now. Yay! Uh, looks like mostly cloudy. And uh, breezy, a little bit breezy out today, but not a bad morning for an Earth Day. And uh, no more rain in the forecast. We had some interesting thunder boomers around midnight last night. And uh, I, I imagine it kept a lot of us awake. Okay, Jim. In other words, you've had a great week. I had a great week. And last week was Weatherfest. Uh, two weeks ago. Excuse was me, two weeks yeah, ago. Two weeks ago was Weatherfest. That was a lot of fun. We were just talking about that off mic there. Mm-hmm. And uh, how's Ken Dewey doing? Ken, uh, do we do it? Ken was running around like a, a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I mean, he was a busy man, but uh, always genial, always polite, and uh, say, says hi to you. And uh, what a what a great guy! Uh, Dewey D E W E Y Dewey Weather on Facebook. He is the me. weather guru. Yep, we've got a great show for you. Who's coming up? You might be saying to yourself, "Who's well, coming up, Scott?" We've got um, Charlene on assignment this morning, so we're going to do kind of an impromptu pet talk. And then you're going to call on her cell phone, uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Mm -hmm, Okay. And then we've got special guest Robert Davis, the author of a brand new book, Unseen Forces, The Integration of Science, Reality, and You. Brand new book. This is our impromptu pet talk, and um, let's see, Tales and Trails Pet Walk takes place May 18th at the Fallbrook Town Center. More information at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. They'll have um, uh, walks with your pet. They'll have a peanut butter licking contest between pet and, uh, and human. That should be fun. No, I don't plan to enter. Ah. I would take pictures of that. Okay, Jim, can you see our our monitor from where you're sitting there? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. Okay, why don't you pick one of those cats? Uh, Well, let's just start right at the top. Let's go with Alice. Okay. She looks like a pretty kitty. And we'll click on Alice's thumbnail here. A nine-month-old spayed female, domestic short here. She's a beauty that's looking for a home where she is your only cat friend. Looks like maybe a little bit of tortoise shell and a little bit of tabby and just very interesting coloring. Mm-hmm. Our next cat's got to be Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we talked to Bruce last week, and uh, he's, he's still there, folks. What's up with that? He's a charming three-year-old neutered male, and he will enjoy exploring every nook and cranny of your home. Very inquisitive cat. See the picture of Bruce Wayne at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. Okay, um, anything else there, Jim, on that first page? Uh, well, we, we got to go with, with a name like Claudius. How about Claudius? He's, he's right next to Bruce. Oh, yeah, with a, with a claw. Yeah, yep. C-L-A-W-D-I-U-S. Okay. Looks like a tuxedo cat black with uh, white on the chest and uh, kind of half of his nose. That's interesting. Kind of white booties on the, and on white the paws. Booties. 
And uh, ten month old neutered male domestic short hair. He's black and white and cute all over. Yes, he is. So will this new kitten be your new friend for life? And uh, so we've got Claudius and we've got Bruce Wayne and Alice. Jim, take the mic there for just a minute. Okay. Well, I think we're going to go to dogs next. But uh, reminder, you can see all of these photos that we're looking at on the Capital Humane Society website. That's Capital Humane Society, all one word. And capital is spelled with an A-L on the end versus an O-L. And uh, you can be right there with us looking at all these wonderful animals. Okay, we've got dogs for adoption now. And uh, we have um, quite a selection. Uh, let's go from the uh, back end of the alphabet forward. We'll, we'll do uh, Vinny. Yo, Vinny. Vinny, show us your nose. <laughs> now, that, that's just perspective because he's actually... A regular-sized dog, his yeah, nose is not that big. He's got his nose right in the camera. He is an 11-month-old neutered male Labrador mix, 65 pounds. He's going to be a big guy. If you'd like to have uh, your twice-a-day twice a walk, um, Vinny might be the dog for you. He's exuberant, and he would love to meet you today. Um, Labrador mixes are great dogs, so... I would give you a recommendation to Vinny. And Vinny is available by appointment at Camp Bow Wow. Okay, um, how about Remy? We'll look at Remy next. Ah, Remy, a white dog. Don't take Remy out in a snowstorm. Remy is a beautiful 10-month-old neutered male German Shepherd mix and weighs 40 pounds. And look at those ears. He wants to be your only dog, also a child-free home. He may play a little rough. And uh, he's got very huge ears, the better to hear you with. This would be your wonderful dog to walk with twice a day. Beautiful white-coated German Shepherd mix. Take a look at Remy. With those ears, I'll bet he could hear a bag of dog food being opened at half a mile. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jim, uh, do you want to pick a third one here? Okay, how about, let's take a look at Gypsy. Yeah, that foxy-looking dog right there. And Gypsy is a beautiful black and brown, long hair, spayed female dachshund mix, six years old, and uh, wants to go home with you today. <laughs> Hey, we can make that happen, can't we? We sure can. That's right. Uh, for hours open today, you want to look at the website, capitalhumanesociety.org. They'll be open today and tomorrow, and they can take you around and uh, show you. Show you Alice, Bruce Wayne, and Claudius the Cats, Vinny, Remy, and Gypsy. These are only a sampling of other dogs and cats for adoption out this there. Is, this is kind of like the Brady Bunch of dogs and cats, three and three. Make the Capital uh, Humane Society the first place you go when you want to adopt a dog or a cat. I'm Scott Colborn. Next up is going to be Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and we're going to try to reach her on her cell phone. Which is that one? 
The second number. Oh, the second one. Okay. I'm glad I asked. Okay, we've got special guests coming up as remain guest Robert Davis. Mr. Davis was with us um, back in May 2nd, 2015, a new release back then for a book, The UFO Phenomenon, Should I Believe? And uh, he's coming up today to talk about his brand new book, The Integration of Science, Reality, and You. Next week's guest, as our main guest, is first-time um, guest, Lee Harris. A brand new book called Energy Speaks, Messages from Spirit on Living, Loving, and Awakening. And May 11th, we've got first-time guest, Robert Strom. I think that uh, there'll be a bunch of you ghosty fans out there that will really like this conversation. She's got a brand new book out called On the Hunt for the Haunted, Searching for Proof of the Paranormal. May 11th is also going to be our um, taking part in the fundraiser, Give to Lincoln, a special spring fundraiser that we uh, that we take part in for nonprofit non-commercial independent KZUM radio and you know you love KZUM because you're listing and you've got you have been listing for for quite a while so we hope on May 11th that you'll support us with a donation that will help us go forward We're enjoying uh, Sulawesi coffee here in the studio. And what do you guys and gals have in your cup? I've got some Sulawesi right here. Very good stuff. Thanks, Scott. This is my first coffee today. And this is my second today, so I'm a little bit ahead of you, I think. But I'm awake. With us next is Rosemary Ellen Guiley. And she makes her home on the East Coast when she's not traveling all over the world. She's got several brand new books out. And she's also um, has launched a successful publishing company with books coming out right and left. Uh, I have dubbed Rosemary Ellen Guiley the queen of the paranormal. And I think she deserves that title and then some. Let's bring her up and ask her how she's doing. Hi, Rosemary. What's going on with you? Hi, Scott. Well, I'll tell you, it's uh, actually a beautiful day here uh, in the East Coast. I'm home and um, home in Connecticut and um, working away on a lot of books. I've just put the finishing touches on a new book, which will be out soon, called Planet Bigfoot. Whoa. Wow. And this is um, it's another fate anthology and I think it's the best one yet. I was really pleased with Flips in Time and Space, which came out earlier this year, which is doing phenomenally. And uh, Planet Bigfoot is um, an incredible collection mm-hmm. um, from all the big names in the field. And it covers history, evidence, cases, hoaxes, the paraphysical interdimensional aspects, the UFO connection, uh, 
encounters, experiences. It's really amazing. Uh, fake coverage over the years from the 1950s on. <clears throat> what a great archive, Jim, to choose from. Rosemary has at her fingertips that archive from the 1950s that she, I mean, history is so important. If we just concentrate on the modern reports and we don't have any appreciation for those that have gone before us, we lose all that that valuable stuff. Yeah. Wow. So that book is is set to come out sometime this year then? It should be within the next couple of weeks. And uh, I know it's going to be very well received. Um, I've had some people do some previews of it, and they're very excited about it. Uh, Fate uh, did an amazing job uh, covering so many of the big topics in the paranormal, UFOs, uh, cryptids, even in the metaphysical topics like contact with the dead and the afterlife uh, over the years. And the treasure trove of articles um, most of them are timeless. Uh, they're not. Um, they're not things that are dated or old or obsolete. Uh, they're still vibrant and relevant today. And it's a real pleasure to be able to bring these back into the public arena. Uh, people who are not familiar with fate get introduced for the very first time, and people who are familiar with fate uh, get to be reacquainted with a lot of great material. I was born in 1951, and Fate Magazine was already publishing. Wow. Started in 1948. Rosemary, last year at the second Nebraska Bigfoot Conference, I met um, Mike Thompson, who lives in Colorado. And I thought, uh, with regard to your, your book coming out on Bigfoot, that he had a really interesting approach. He figured that Bigfoot at least part of the time, was a flesh-and-blood creature and had a, uh, an area that it had existed in, that it spent time in. And as any animal, if you show up as a human being and do your thing and habituate the animal, they become either used to you or... They become to recognize you, the, the clothes you wear, the, the gait of your walk, the way you conduct yourself, the color of your vehicle, the color of your tent, etc. And so he would, he would find some areas and go deep country, and then he would camp, and repeatedly. And he started having Bigfoot encounters, and he believes it's because of this process that he's used to go there to show the creature that he's done up to anything bad, that he wants to make contact. And it was, for me, uh, really breathtaking, Rosemary, to talk to Mike as he described being across a ravine about 40 yards away from an adult Bigfoot. And... They stood for about two minutes and looked at each other from 40 yards away. I can almost throw a football 40 yards. I can certainly throw a baseball 40 yards. And uh, he 
noticed on the tree that this Bigfoot was standing next to about where his height would be. So after the encounter, he went over to that other side of the ravine and measured and uh, the place on the, the tree where he had figured the top of his, the Bigfoot's head was, was eight feet. This Bigfoot, after two minutes, wow. simply turned and went up this tailings, which is sort of debris that came out of an old mine, really scrabble, hard footing. It's very difficult. The Bigfoot went up that on two feet, just like it was out for a walk, and bingo, went up to the top and was gone. Well, they do have what we would call supernormal abilities. Those have been well described by so many eyewitnesses. Uh, my own belief is that Bigfoot uh, has the capability of phasing in and out of our reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they're interdimensional in nature. They have their own society, their own uh, world, uh, probably in a parallel dimension. But they spend a lot of time in ours, and when they are in our environment, uh, they can act like flesh and blood creatures. Um, but they can also disappear in an instant and reappear, uh, and that's not something that flesh and blood creatures can do. I also think that uh, when people are out and about, uh, they have a radar about us, and they decide whether or not they're going to be visible to us. I agree. Uh, I think that there are cases where um, they they might be seen unawares, you know, by people out camping or hiking, driving around, something like that. Uh, and in such cases, they they usually disappear quite quickly. Um, but if they're going to make prolonged contact with someone or be make themselves visible for prolonged periods of time, it's their choice, not ours. Uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, her website is visionaryliving.com. And if you will, an extension of that is her publishing arm, visionarylivingpublishing.com. And Rosemary, coming up in just minutes is a colleague of yours. You have published, and I thank you for this, you have published his book. It's Bob Davis, Unseen Forces, The Integration of Science, Reality, and You. How did you meet Bob Davis? I met Bob through my uh, participation in the uh, foundation of the uh, Research Foundation for Extraterrestrial Encounters, FREE. Uh, And Bob and I were both on the board of directors, and um, neither of us are in the organization anymore, but that's how we got acquainted. Mm -hmm. And Bob is a brilliant man. I'm so thrilled you're having him on the show, and I'm doubly thrilled to be the publisher of his latest book, which is truly, truly groundbreaking. He's a neuroscientist, and I can easily describe him as one of the most forward futurists and thinkers of the 21st century. This, this book is written for a layperson, but it's also, if you will, an invitation to other scientists to jump into the fray. Uh, yes, and Bob has amply footnoted things uh, with academic references for uh, people who want to delve deeper into his content. And he's, he's looking at the big consciousness picture 
uh, and all of our extraordinary experiences that include contact with aliens and other realities, the dead, um, transformations of consciousness, peak experiences, near-death experiences, and what does this say about our concepts of reality? And uh, he does put it in terms for the layman. I think this is truly uh, a most important book. I'm, I'm so glad, Rosemary, that you've introduced us here. And congratulations again on this uh, yet another successful launch of a book. Um, I, I don't mean to pin you down, but can you think off the top of your head the next one coming out through your publishing company? Is it that uh, uh, Planet Bigfoot uh, book? Uh, well, that's the next one coming out. And then after that is another book that you'll probably be interested in, Scott. It's called How to Be a Paranormal Detective. Wow. And the author is Greg Lawson, who is a um, a Texas law enforcement uh, officer, a long career in law enforcement and criminal detection. And he's written an absolutely fascinating book on how to bring uh, crime detection and uh, techniques into paranormal investigation. Well, I can't wait, Rosemary. Uh, thank you so much for, for taking time to be with us again. Um, you are the best, Rosemary. And please give my best to Joe as well, okay? I certainly will, Scott, and we'll talk next month. I'll look forward to it. Thank you, Rosemary, for all that you do. Okay, bye. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, she's with us every fourth Saturday, and uh, I love the name of her segment, In the Dark with Rosemary. She is the best. Her website is visionaryliving.com, and her publishing arm is visionarylivingpublishing.com. I'm Scott Colborne, and you're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Uh, let me do the bottom of the hour break here, and we'll come back with our main guest, um, Dr. Robert Davis. I hope you folks are doing well out there. I hope you've had a good week, and I hope that Saturday morning you can hunker down and, and listen with us, or perhaps you've got us at a later time on the, uh, on the free archive website. What is that free archive website? Well, it's pretty easy. It's kzum.org slash EUP. EUP, of course, is Exploring Unexplained Phenomena, the world's longest-running paranormal talk radio program. It's sure great to be with you. I'm going to go ahead and come back to music here, and then we'll take the break, and we'll come back with Robert Davis. And we've tried to set the book up here. It's going to be a great conversation. Unseen Forces, the Integration of Science, Reality, and You. Try to keep your head, you know 
The Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dick Valverde, and I'd like to invite you on a musical journey of both sound and rhythm to a place I call Mesoterra. We'll travel far from commercial culture and just a step or two away from the abstract. So join me on Saturday afternoons, 3 to 5 p.m. for Mesoterra, right here on KZUM. This program is made possible in part by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. KZUM's new podcast partners program aims to support producers of original content who are motivated to create podcasts that enrich the perspectives of our audience as an extension of KZUM's mission to inform and entertain the Lincoln community. If you're interested in bringing a podcast idea to life, the podcast partners program might be for you. Find out more and apply at kzum.org slash podcasts. There are many conservative Christian perspectives on the radio today. But there is a place for a dialogue between faith and science. For interfaith conversation in the interest of peace and understanding. For a non-literalist perspective on the Bible, because it was never intended as a weapon. I'm Beth Menhusen. And I'm Richard Randolph. Join us every Saturday here on KCUM from 9 to 10 a.m. for Counterbalance, Progressive Christian Voices. We'll discuss spiritual, social, and ethical issues. We'll be interviewing authors and experts, and we'll be taking your phone calls. That's Counterbalance, every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. here on KZUM. Enigma, and they're our official uh, music for the radio show. Catch Enigma around the southeast Nebraska area. And that was from Cobalt, their previous CD. The opening track, Sky Dancer, is one of my all-time favorites. Our special guest is Dr. Robert Davis. Dr. Davis was with us on May 2nd, 2015, for then the release of his book, The UFO Phenomenon, Should I Believe? He's also written Life After Death, an analysis of the evidence, and the brand new book that has just come out 
is unseen forces, the integration of science, reality, and you. This book I read cover to cover this week. The book is about what we're learning from peak or extraordinary human experiences that don't necessarily fit into a scientific measurement. Some of these experiences are very, very hard to drag into a laboratory and duplicate. Nevertheless, these extraordinary experiences, peak experiences, are reported by hundreds of thousands of people worldwide. I would imagine from many of you listening right now. Certainly, I can add my own story. One aspect is the contact with non-human intelligence. And none other than the late Dr. John Mack said that no known psychiatric condition can account for these reports. Dr. Robert Davis bridges the gap between science and spirituality through an objective evidence-based analysis of experimental research and theories, integrating them with life-changing personal accounts of spiritual and extraordinary experiences. He is a neuroscientist, former college professor, researcher, and in addition to the three books, he's published more than 60 scholarly articles. Please welcome back to the broadcast, Dr. Robert Davis. Bob, good morning, sir. Oh, hi, Scott. It's a pleasure to be with you. May I use you, uh, call you by your first name? Of course. Okay, Bob. You met Rosemary Longuile, uh as a board of director member for the group Free. And what was it about that organization that initially got your interest up, Bob? Well, it was an initiative to study the UFO phenomenon from the perspective of the experiencer. And I always thought that that was a critical aspect of research that was severely lacking within the discipline of ufology. I agree. And uh, after seeing two orange robes in Sedona, uh, I was uh, more than motivated, not only to write a book on the topic, as you mentioned, but to also participate at some level uh, in ongoing research with over 3,000 individuals who claim to have some form of interaction with the phenomenon. And eventually, we were able to publish uh, our findings in the Journal of Scientific Exploration last year, which I'm uh, very happy to say. Uh, since that publication, I've resigned from free. Uh, which afforded me more time and opportunity to write the uh, current book that I was uh, very glad to work with uh, Rosemary on. Um, Rosemary, by the way, is a, a big fan of mine. I have the greatest respect for her and, and for all the books that she puts out. And um, I, um, I certainly look forward to collaborating with her in the future, but it was a pleasure to get to know her uh, as part of Free. Uh, but we moved on, I guess, mm -hmm. from, from there. Uh, Bob, uh, over the 34 years that I've hosted the radio show, I've learned that many of the people that I've had on as guests uh, had a, if you will, an initiatory experience 
some personal experience that happened to them when they were much, much younger, perhaps a, a little boy or a girl. So uh, did you have anything that happened to you early on that you can remember that perhaps may have partially turned the light on or opened the door towards what you now have been doing as an adult? That's a good question. I've, I've looked at that myself, trying to figure out why I have this um, insatiable quest to seek the truth. Uh, and you have to start looking in, in areas of the unexplained, mm-hmm. which is not a, an atypical idea by many throughout time. Uh, I can't pinpoint anything in, in, in specific other than maybe we all have this innate sense of spirituality that we may have very well uh, been uh, been given by our ancestors who are very spiritual uh, and who always question life uh, and, and threats to their life uh, since they couldn't explain it, uh, especially when they saw lightning, meteors. Uh, obviously, we're going back thousands and thousands of years, but that doesn't mean that uh, their experiences, their questions about their uh, state of affairs and role on this planet uh, could not be transmitted or altered, in other words, the DNA such that it would be um, facilitated in their uh, uh, offspring. And there is ampent, uh, uh, ample, I should say, evidence to support the fact that uh, we can indeed uh, have our behavior, uh, perspectives, emotions, in part modified by ancestors of our past. So maybe we're all born with this this lust or a, a quest to to seek truth in varying ways, mm-hmm. in varying degrees. Uh, but the spirituality aspect, our religiosity aspect of of millions worldwide throughout time uh, persists, and, and I want to know why. Um, but I uh, I can't help but uh, not question what is reality, life, um, and whether or not individuals are indeed interacting with alternate realms and non-human intelligences, mm-hmm. as millions claim throughout history. Yeah, the the uh, reports that, that you and I have looked at Maybe uh, modern day, but as you just alluded to, the the historical accounts go back uh, millennia of people experiencing something that was out of the normal realm, out of the day-to-day. Um, Ida Kannenberg was a woman I met, uh, Bob, many, many years ago. She's passed now. Uh, and she... She took the tack that that many people have an experience as, if you will, an initiation. It may be that it pushes the button that we all carry that lies dormant until that um, it triggers something. It causes a response. It uh, creates movement. There is a shift that begins. Uh, And that's not without a downside. As you said in your book, I believe it was the near-death experience where the uh, divorce rate in couples is so high because literally the person who's gone through that 
uh, is changed. They are indeed not the same person, and their spouse says, you know, he or she is not the same person. Um, so there are, I think, perils to, to that. But how would you view Ida Kannenberg's uh, example of the peak experience or extraordinary experience as being, if you will, an initiation? Uh, it's an initiation, certainly, uh, for millions, uh, and it comes as uh, an initiation in many different forms. Uh, Near-death, out-of-body experiences, even even effects on psychoactive drugs like dimethyltryptamine or DMT, meditation uh, is another. Even interactions with unidentified aerial phenomena and so-called inhabitants of that phenomena has been shown to... Facilitate a common type of um, response in the form of a peak experience, and despite the dissimilarity of these trigger events, as I just mentioned, we tend to see a general similarity in terms of its impact on the psycho, uh, social, cultural aspect of the individual who is experiencing it, and they are changed from that moment forward. Uh, they often wonder, what happened to me? Why me? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I make sense of it? And they're, they're shaken to their core. Oftentimes, they go through a spiritual emergency, which is not fun. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're perplexed, have a great deal of anxiety uh, as a result of it. Over time, they tend to adapt, and by and large, in general, they seem to manifest very favorable outcomes in terms of their personal and philosophical um, perspectives and viewpoints that that deal with love, death, spirituality, life in general. Uh, it's, it's almost as if they, they have some type of ego dissolution. Uh, they, they realize that they're not just their body. They're, they're, they believe firmly that there's a, 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 continu- a continuation of consciousness after death. So they believe in life after death. They no longer fear death. They're less materialistic. Um, they're more compassionate, more humane. And uh, by and large, uh, I think if we were somehow able to bottle all this up and able to deliver it to everybody in the world, I think we'd be in a much better place to to reside Mm -hmm. as cohabitants of our planet. Uh, I say that somewhat kiddingly, of course, but the fact that they're positively shifted uh, over the long run, and this is what longitudinal studies are now demonstrating to us is is something that researchers in the areas of psychology, sociology must take more seriously because so many people are having these initiations, so to speak, or peak experiences in many different ways. And people, professionals that is, are not really equipped to manage it as appropriately as possible. Oftentimes they, they talk about a, a peak experience and, and they may be considered uh, having a a psychological aberration and treated inappropriately. That Mm -hmm. is not unusual. So we need more uh, awareness on the part of the professional community in terms of how to best understand uh, these, the experiences that these individuals are coming through. Mm -hmm. And we know very little right now, we're scratching the surface and we certainly need to address this more comprehensively. One of, one of the things that I've, I've talked about on prior shows, Bob, has been the need for um, our ministers to be 
are priests and rabbis to be? To uh, have some training and some background in this subject. Because it has struck me over the years that when the person has the, the peak experience in their life, can be often turned upside down, one of the very people that they may reach out to is their trusted minister, priest, or rabbi. Uh, In 1988, I presented the paper on behalf of Reverend Dr. Barry Downing on a survey of seminaries on if they were talking about the UFO subject, for example. And um, he, he found that the Catholics were out in front of other religions and denominations at bringing the subject up in, in their schools. Uh, but we certainly need more of that. I, Bob, probably, probably, probably as you do, I, I know of a woman in Lincoln who had an uh, extraordinary experience with non-human intelligence, and she went to a psychologist and began to do some counseling, and abruptly the psychologist politely, firmly, showed her the door and said, please leave and don't come back. Mm. Uh, wow. Yeah. So we need, uh, no, not that. We yeah. need education, and, and your book is going to uh, help in that. B- Bob, in a humorous sense, I couldn't help but think that as I read your book, at times you were very gently chiding some of the closed-minded skeptics by saying that, hmm, you say that there is no evidence and no proof. Well, take a look at this. <laughs> yeah, there's ample proof. Uh, if, if skeptics in particular will take the time to better understand all aspects of the unexplained. Uh, ESP, for instance, is real, yet it is a topic of great debate with mm-hmm. materialistic uh, scientists generally uh, discarding it, dismissing it as being impossible simply because, of course, it doesn't fit with traditional scientific principles. And because it doesn't, uh, it's it's considered indeterminate. It, it, it's not real. But... Uh, don't get me started in the sense that there's, I can't, you can't be convinced more so than in terms of accepting the validity of non-local communication. It's all in all of its manifestations. Um, in other words, communicating on invisible pathways, uh, despite time and space, uh, mind can do that. Uh, if, properly cultivated, and this has been demonstrated more than uh, clearly, significantly, experimentally, and we have more than ample anecdotal evidence by millions and millions of individuals who claim to have these sort of experiences where they have a feeling Mm -hmm. that turns out to be true, or an out-of-body experience where they perceive events remote from their sensory systems, or a near-death experience, which gives rise often to an out-of-body experience, where they interact with deceased individuals, and some individuals they did not know were deceased, only to be resuscitated and find out that they were, or individuals that they were, uh, that they had died, or, or individuals who have uh, shared death experiences uh, with those who they are emotionally close with. 
there's there's more than ample evidence, and you are certainly familiar with that. Uh, I try to do my best to cover some of the uh, more significant aspects of the uh, evidence in the book, but you're still not going to um, uh, change the position of that hardcore materialist because uh, we don't have the math, the principles to explain it. And that's why we need this so-called paradigm shift, to shift from current-day realism to something that's called idealism. In other words, in other words, Newtonian physics has served us beautifully, but it is limited in its ability to provide us with a proper understanding of what people are experiencing here when we talk about peak experiences and the diverse range of, of subject matter under that, that overarching term. We need to take more seriously, in other words, the subjective experience, what the person regards as being valid and true, and their beliefs. It comes down to trying to figure out how do we interpret reality. Mm-hmm. And again, to the realist or the hardcore materialist, one and one has to equal two. We have to have well-controlled studies in a laboratory setting to quantify, to qualify. And if not, uh, then that then the conclusions coming out or the data coming out of that experiment are, are considered uh, tenuous at best. Well, it's limited. It serves us well again, but it's limited in its application to studying these kinds of issues that get at the heart of what is reality, uh, what is life, what is consciousness. And unfortunately, consciousness itself is uh, a, a poorly understood concept in part its language base that, that provides our inability to adequately understand what the term itself implies. Uh, and if you ask a neuroscientist and a philosopher the same question, what is consciousness, you know, you're going to get two very different answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we have no agreed-upon uh, criteria, definition for these terms that were used very uh, loosely uh, like that and, and like the other terms that we often use, like near-death and out-of-body experience. Uh, what criteria constitutes that all? And this is where research needs to go to figure out what is a true N-D-E-N-O-B-E. Uh, what do we mean by consciousness? We, we, could, we could analyze it in many different ways, and there's been an endless stream of papers written on the topic of consciousness, and even after all, all the centuries of the greatest of minds contemplating what that is, uh, we still don't have that. something called biophotons, which we can get into if you want, uh, because that, that possibly, possibly describes consciousness, and it possibly explains some of the uh, mysterious nature of some of the things we're talking about, like mm-hmm. ESP and other body experiences. Uh, this is Dr. Robert Davis, and he is a neuroscientist, the author of three books, including the brand new one that I'm holding with this gorgeous cover, Unseen Forces, The Integration of Science, Reality, and You. I'm Scott Colborn, and uh, Bob, when we come back, let's talk about the differences between brain and mind and some of those stark contrasts am i am i more than just this what is it three pounds of of gray matter encased in a skull yes um yeah. 
or as Douglas Harding wrote in the book, on having no head, <laughs> am I much more than that? <laughs> let's, let's come back and talk about that, Bob. Sure. Um, and by the way, as a neuroscientist, what do you use to wake up with in the morning? What's in your cup, Bob? Are you a coffee guy or a tea guy? Oh, coffee indeed, yes. Good man. Okay. Yes. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll be right back. This is Bob Davis, and again, the new book is Unseen Forces, The Integration of Science, Reality, and You. I'm Scott Colborn. It's great to have you with us. Um, overcast skies in Lincoln. Temperatures will start to gradually fall as we progress through the day. And, Jim, we may get a little bit of frost tonight in Lincoln. I believe it. It's, it's, wow. a, it's a cool day today. Yes, it is. Perfect later on for mowing my lawn. Meanwhile, we've got some great conversations. Stay tuned for more right after this. Hey, the Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska. KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from family-owned and operated Butheris Mesa and Love Funeral Home at 40th and A Streets in Lincoln, offering services that allow families to plan ahead according to personal wishes, chapel facilities to accommodate all faiths, and grief support materials for the family following a service. More information is available at 402-488-0934 and online at bmlfh.com. And by the Haymarket Farmer's Market. Thanking its patrons and vendors for this past season. Vendor inquiries for the 2019 season at 402-435-7496 and lincolnhaymarket.org. The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock in one freezing cold rushing Black Mountain River. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Vic Valverde, and I'd like to invite you on a musical journey of both sound and rhythm to a place I call Mesoterra. We'll travel far from commercial culture and just a step or two away from the abstract. So join me on Saturday afternoons, 3 to 5 p.m. for Mesoterra, right here on KZUM. Following our show today at 12 o'clock noon central is my buddy Eddie Rumbaugh, who can hit a golf ball farther than any other human that I've ever seen. <laughs> and Ed's doing a show today that's uh, got a lot of good jazz, uh, and it's a beta radio program. So he's coming up at 12 o'clock noon. And I think that his picks on jazz today focus around food. So that'll be interesting to kind of hear more from, from Ed. He comes up today at 12 o'clock noon. Our guest is Dr. Robert Davis, the author of Unseen Forces, The Integration of Science, Reality, and You. And we'll give out his website a number of times during the broadcast. It's very easy to find, easy to remember, BobDavisSpeaks.com. 
Bob, uh, when when I'm thinking and carrying thoughts around, am I those thoughts? Am I the brain that's encased in my skull? Or is there a difference between, and not trying to nitpick, the terms brain and mind? I wish I had a definitive answer. Uh, My gut feeling says that uh, I am symbiotic with my brain. But I can't ascribe to the notion that the vast majority of hardcore materialists believe that this three-pound mass of protein and fat residing between my ears comprised of 100 billion neurons can can facilitate uh, my free will, my ability to plan for the future, uh, the feelings of love that I have for others. Uh, it's, it's beyond me that once my heart stopped, stops with the, 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 the screen is going to fade to black. Uh, and it's what dust to dust and ashes to ashes. It doesn't sit well. That's not that doesn't make it. However, in the scientific materialistic world, we need uh, confirmation proof. But to the materialist, your thoughts are your brain, and the brain, in other words, defines reality for us: the colors, the smells, behaviors, the physical attributes, etc. Uh, there's a neural representation, in other words, for, for all incoming stimulation, and, and that provides us with meaning, and we then interpret it and apply emotion and, and act accordingly on that basis. Um, and in part, that's true. But the bottom line is this. Is consciousness a byproduct of the brain, or does consciousness actually extend beyond the brain and persist after bodily death? And this is the the overarching issue at hand, and this is what is the underlying essence of of the book. Are we more than just the brain? Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking, we're kind of talking about it in in varying ways as symptoms of mind brain when we discuss peak experiences and near death out of body experiences. What we're really getting at here are at here is symptoms of consciousness and brain activity, and both are at play, but they are interdependent upon each other. I need my brain, but my brain needs me too. Uh, and I think, I think because we don't have the rules that apply to the physical world in terms of defining what consciousness is, it's not going to be regarded as a separate entity in and of itself which I believe it is. and But you know, if you look at many of the Nobel laureates of the, of the past and great physicists like Max Planck and uh, Sir John Eccles, I believe is, is, is how you pronounce his name, Eugene Wigner, uh, Erwin Schrodinger, there's a long list of individuals uh, who regard consciousness as a uh, fundamental property of reality. Uh, and they, they ascribe to it. They didn't need that confirmation in the form of a, a, a quantifiable variable 
in a well-controlled laboratory setting to, to make or break the decision about whether or not there's something true about consciousness as a separate, distinct entity. Um, but rather, they had an understanding of truth that, and at that time, they, they weren't uh, uh, chastised, criticized. They didn't lose their reputation, but from their colleagues, if they had uh, diverse opinions, at least that would, let's say, dissimilar from traditional accepted beliefs and practices. Now, however, we, uh, we find that uh, many scientists are remaining in the closet. We don't know where they stand in the sense that many do believe in all of this, but they're hesitant to address it with their colleagues, or let alone conduct research in this arena for fear of not getting grant monies, but agency is going to fund research in this area. Uh, and and where are they going to publish papers in this mm-hmm. topic area as well? So it's, it's, it doesn't it doesn't foster advancement in academia, and that's unfortunate because scientists do not deal with with issues for the most part that we're talking about. Although the NDE has has garnered uh, a great deal of research, uh, more in terms of mm-hmm. near death experiences, yes, but more in terms of. Uh, what aspects of brain function may very well give rise to some of the subjective experiences that people report when they have a near-death experience, rather than trying to determine whether or not one one reports that their consciousness left their body, interact with another realm and beings, uh, they don't get into that. But that's what we need, don't you see? The idealistic approach as opposed to realism. We need to better understand the essence of the experience from a semantic, from a language-based uh, analysis uh, in those who experience it so that we can better understand what really happened to them. And yeah, I can't quantify it, I, not yet at least, uh, but yet that doesn't mean it do- it's not real. It doesn't mean they did not interact with another reality. They may very well have. And to dismiss that, to, to ignore it, is wrong is wrong because these individuals, if anything else, they believe that what happened to them is indeed real. And they often say, realer than real, as real as talking to a member of my family. Mm-hmm. That's how real it was when I, I crossed and pierced the veil and and experienced a different space and time and beings that looked very different than my neighbors, but also looked similar in, in the form of deceased relatives. So what's going on here? Do we have evidence? Anecdotal in nature, yes, but we should not still dis- dismiss the testimonies of well-balanced individuals who seem to come to this realization uh, that has a pronounced effect on their life from that moment forward. Uh, we should not discount it as as possibly being valid. I can't say for sure. I don't think anybody can, but the, the experiencer, that's the person we should listen to more, not the scientist who's out who's looking from outside, evaluating, and likely criticizing the person for, as having a, a hallucinatory uh, event, which is giving rise to their um, uh, statements mm-hmm. that defy logical reasoning. For the, the listening audience, uh, one of the, the easy-to-grasp ways that you guys and gals will experience your own depth of consciousness is through... Intuition. It's something that we that we all have this inner knowing 
that speaks to each of us in ways that are appropriate for us. Bob, for example, I was in the car one day with my friend Ed Rumbaugh, and we were in traffic during the day, and I said, Ed, I think we should go to Target. Suddenly, Bob, it just felt like that was the right thing to do. And Ed said, why? Um, I'm a fan of Hawaiian shirts. Maybe they've got some Hawaiian shirts on sale. I don't know. I just, let's go to Target. So we drove to Target on North 48th Street. We parked the car. As I walked up to the front door, out of the front door, walking over to the side and going to load his pipe was the late senator from Nebraska, James Exon. I had previously been in contact with Senator Exon regarding the 1980 UFO events outside of RAF Bentwaters and RAF Woodbridge in what the British call Rendlesham Forest. Uh, It's Britain's Roswell, if you will. And I had been looking for a way to reinitiate contact with Senator Exon. By following my intuition, I walked up to the front door of Target, and there out walks Senator Exon. I was able to step to the side and reintroduce myself, and we we had a good three- to five-minute conversation there. So, through our intuition of listening to that inner knowing, that inner voice, oftentimes we are given information, we are led to life events or experiences when we take a step back and try to analyze that we say where did that come from bob how did i know that i was supposed to go to target <laughs> that that day at that specific time why not an hour later an hour earlier why not a different target across town how did well, i know I'm that i'm glad you brought that up because exactly and i'm sure if all of your listeners um thought for a moment about just what you're saying, they can come up with an analogy within their own life where their intuition or gut feeling yes. uh, proved correctly. Uh, that that represents something that's beyond a, a coincidence, maybe a synchronistic event where timing and meaning occur simultaneously in quite a dramatic, unexpected way. Um, and maybe it's unconscious inference. Um Some people would think that um, uh, we know the answers if we're not simply aware of it. Uh, And the answers may be in our unconscious mind or it may exist in the future. Uh, And the future and present and past exist simultaneously. Now, it sounds a little uh, far-fetched, I know, but there's precedents and theories in physics that supports that. Subatomic particles, for instance, behave in ignomatic ways when one way is, is just that. Uh, it, we can see that the future can affect the present. Maybe, and I'm only speculating here, but there are theories that do say maybe, maybe we're getting some uh, information from the future that is informing us through an unconscious-like process so that we're not you know, fully aware. So it manifests as a gut feeling, a sense um, uh, question. And it's subtle. 
But the fact is that there could be these subtle interconnections across time and between individuals that may very well give rise to things like ESP, uh, reading minds, or accurately perceiving events remote from my physical senses. Uh, We see this manifestation that you're referring to in so many different ways, shapes, and forms. Uh, The the mother who's at home who has the the, the horrible feeling that their child is injured, Mm. runs into the car, goes to the playground, and sees the child just about to fall off uh, a swing. Um, These things happen all the time, and it's more than just a neurotic individual. That's uh, helicoptering, heli- <laughs> helicoptering the parent. Uh, the point is, why? Why do we get these unique insights that prove to be true? Why do we see in in parapsychological experiments that intentional learning is capable of modifying the pH of water? Why do we see in experiments that uh, twins that are put into different rooms affixed with electrodes? Uh, when one, for instance, when one, for instance, is told to give their attention to the other twin, you see a, an instantaneous and, uh, and simultaneous change in both of the brains as if they're synchronous. This has been shown many times in the form of what's called telesymmetric events where, again, intention can induce changes in the brain of another, especially if they're emotionally close or um, genetically you know, bound, so to speak. Uh, the, the examples are uh, too numerous to adequately express in a, in a short time period, but if anybody would do their due diligence and go through the literature on, on this general topic, they would, they should be more than convinced that there certainly is something quite profound and unique that exists, that impacts us in ways that we do not understand. And if we could understand it, maybe we'd have more control over the human condition with respect to health, mental well-being, uh, and, and peace. If we all better understood that we're interconnected possibly at a level of these subtle connections. And maybe there is a physical energy that allows for this, again, in the form of biophotons or ultra-weak photons that apparently the brain generates, but it has yet to be um, measured, uh, documented, or let's say accepted by the scientific community. It has been measured, and it has been shown to increase in output when individuals give intention, provide intention to another event. So we see that uh, we see that this is a, a form of energy that I believe will be part of Einstein's unified field theory uh, down the road. And the person that discovers it and, and, and ex- explains it, uh, and once it is accepted, that person will receive the Nobel Prize. I have, I have um, n- no doubt. But it is going to be that pronounced of a discovery because of its implications on both a, a personal and societal level. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Dr. Robert Davis. The book we've been talking about and some of our topics emerging from is 
Unseen Forces, The Integration of Science, Reality, and You. And Dr. Davis's website is very easy to find. It's bobdavisspeaks.com. Jim, if you want to jump in here with any personal anecdotes, my, my co-producer and co-hoster, you're welcome to, Jim. Oh, thanks, Scott. I'm good. I'm just enjoying the conversation yeah, right now. I just, this is wonderful stuff. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. Absolutely. Bob, uh, another way that people, you, you mentioned um, uh, synchronicity, uh, something that goes beyond just casual coincidence that seems to have a deep meaning that causes us to pause and to wonder, you know, how did that happen? Uh, perhaps thinking about somebody that you haven't talked to in a long time and deciding to make the phone call to them. And as you're going to the phone, your phone rings and it's them calling you. Um, one of my, uh, my peak experiences was many years ago at the Ozark UFO Conference in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. I was seated on a Sunday morning next to a colleague who was a, um, a clinical psychologist with her doctorate, and uh, we had been enjoying the conference. Uh, the conference organizer, the late Lou Farish, was at the mic stand, and between speakers he was reaching into a box calling out names of people that were attending the conference and uh, passing out door prizes. <clears throat> and Bob, suddenly, I felt like I had been filled with absolute bliss and joy. The feeling that came over me was indescribable. Would I sign up for it again? Yes. I would, I would walk many, many miles for that. In, in that blissful, joyful feeling, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the next name that Lou Farish was going to call was my colleague and friend seated to my right. So I turned to her and I said, Lou's going to call your name next. And she gave me that friendly elbow on the side saying, uh-huh, yeah. With absolute certainty, and it was like slow motion. I turned my head, and I watched Lou reach into the box, pull a piece of paper out, unfold it, raise his head to the microphone, and he announced my colleague's name. There's about three to 400 people in that room. So she turned to me and said, how did you do that? Does it ever feel, Bob, to you like sometimes we are carrying around with us a baseball glove in the hopes that we might look up and see that softball or baseball falling out of the sky so we can catch it? <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, I appreciate that uh you're sharing that uh, story. Very interesting indeed. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, meant to be at some deeper level. Uh, or is the, the, the universe revealing events uh, to us um, in some way and, and, and allows us to maybe uh, link them together in a meaningful way? Um, the synchronicity and coincidences, uh, they're similar and different. Um, the synchronicity, I guess you could say, is a meaningful relationship of of uh, events that 
go a step or two beyond the uh, unusual chance of a coincidence. Um, but often it's such a coincidence or the, the, the fact that the timing as well as the meaning of those two events are such that it leaves one bewildered, um, trying to make sense of it. Um, and it's, it's a rare and, and fleeting uh, event, but it, it forces us to question reality. And the fact that you are relating it right now, it says that it obviously uh, shocked you at your core. Yes. Uh, to the point where yes. uh, you can't help forget it, and you shouldn't. I think it's beautiful. Uh, we should all have these kinds of experiences, and in fact, we do. Most people, however, dismiss it as nothing but a mere coincidence and nothing more, when in fact it may or may not be. But we're, we have this feeling of profound awe as a result. Um, you know, it, yes. uh, we've all experience, I guess, that, that uh, sense of understanding the way things really are. Um, but when things are not as they should be, uh, then, we, then we're left with uh, more than curiosity. Uh, and however, we're, given, we're being given, I think, some indirect evidence of a deeper reality, um, maybe call it a non-local reality, mm -hmm. whether or not it's the future uh, interacting with the present, as some researchers will contend, mm -hmm. or it is our ability to perceive future events and to take appropriate action at the present, uh, because unconsciously we are aware of what's going to be. Um, you know, synchronicity, I guess you can say, I guess you could say it's, it's, it's in its present or it's in control when the experience is very meaningful to the person and it makes the experience all the more meaningful it's it reminds me of this um, um, example um, I knew I knew someone who was writing a research and wanted to consult with another researcher but thought better of it because he didn't want to uh, bother that person so he didn't email him uh, but he was still since dying to speak with with, with him, um, but he didn't. Um, very soon thereafter, he goes on a, 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 a vacation uh, to a remote island. I think it was in the South Pacific somewhere. Goes into the hotel, uh, writes his name in the the logbook, and sees that the person he wanted to communicate with signed his name right right before him. Oh, I love well, it. It could, be, it could be the same, you know, it could be the same name, right? But, you know, he, he was more than curious and he hung around until, yeah, he saw that person walk down the stairs and, and well, he was awestruck, obviously. Yes. Now, that's beyond coincidence. Now, we all yes, don't have that kind of uh, experience, but many of us do. It often occurs at, let's just say, uh, lower octane levels, but it happens. And the meaning of it is, is what's significant. Bob, uh, again, I, I want to talk to our listeners because what you said is something that I've firmly believed for so many years. Ladies and gentlemen, when we all have a chance to have valued, respectful conversation without fear of ridicule, in confidence, I believe that what Bob just said 
will come out in those conversations because I believe that so many of you have also had or shared these experiences that you might call peak experiences or extraordinary experiences, and yet we haven't had a place in consensus reality, in our society at least, to properly address these, to put these, to talk about them. In fact, in the final sense, to, to honor them. And Bob, it's been my experience for many years that you get people together and you get them talking. Um, the depth of conversation increases and you can start asking these questions and the stories come out, the personal accounts come out. These are not going to be talked about over the water cooler at the office or out in back of the, of the plant during break. But these are the sorts of things that a lot of people carry around with them. Indeed, and they don't have an outlet um, for fear of ridicule, for one, obviously. Uh, and, and so they listen to shows like you, yours, and I commend you for, for doing what you have for so or many they, years. They um, read the great book that you've just written here, too. Oh, well, thank you very much. I uh, um, Certainly, uh, there, there's sense and nonsense out there, and I like to think mine's uh, uh, the former, not the latter. But trying to make sense of the nonsense that's out there is something I attempted to do mm-hmm. so that that the reader doesn't have to uh, do his or her due diligence uh, because it is difficult to know what is uh, justifiable, uh, realistic, um, in the literature and beyond. And the point is, we often interpret everything we hear too literally. Just just yesterday, I was looking through uh, the uh, news, I think it was uh, CNN or Drudge Report, and, and there was a story, maybe you saw it, about an Oxford professor who, who boldly said that aliens are having uh, sex with humans and are creating hybrid children. Now... Maybe true. I'm not saying it's not. I don't. I don't know. But the point is, uh, one shouldn't read that and automatically believe it unequivocally, interpret it 100 percent without a doubt. And they're more inclined to why? Because it's a professor who said it from Oxford University, and we see things like this all the time. Um, we have to be objective, which is, of course, much easier said than done. I try to be ob- objective in the book and, and provide a format for the reader to uh, judge the material and to decide for mm-hmm. himself what this is all about. You know, the, 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 the point is we're talking about something so pronounced, so profound. We're talking about life, the meaning of life, and how it impacts us, and the, and the truth, possible truth to what reality is, and is there life after death, and am I the brain? These essential, fundamental, most significant of all questions that we all ask at least once in our life, and as for me, I think I ask it once every day, and maybe that's (laughs) a little too much, but we all ask it, and the question is why? Well, maybe there's a reason why. You know, maybe there's a reason why, because there's something true to it. We know there's something there, but we don't have that confirmation from the so-called scientists, nor should we. Sometimes the truth is in us. You don't have to be a scientist or be a professor at Oxford University or someone who writes a book. We all have this uh, 
intuition, as you mentioned. We all have, but the, the brain gets in the way. Uh, and, and we get flooded with external stimulation that oftentimes impedes or clouds our sense of clarity and, and our ability to truly understand what life is all about, how we fit in, and what are the most critical aspects of life uh, and how to lead it uh, to our highest fulfillment as well as others in mm -hmm. our family. Uh, and we all don't do as good a job as we should for a variety of reasons. Life is so gosh darn complex that it's unfortunate that it is this way, but it's only 2019, so we have to we have to deal with it as it is. And and I think if we look at the bigger picture, the overarching issues, the matters that are of critical importance, not what the stock market's doing or, or what clothes buy or et cetera, et cetera. All necessary, important at some level, but we give it too much materialistic attention, shall we say? But yet we should get down to the basics of life and try to embrace, I think, what is most important about life, trying to understand who we are and how to interact with others in a much more acceptable way. But I'm a truth seeker like you and, and those listening to your show. They wouldn't be listening unless they were truth seekers. And I commend you all for having that mindset because that's the critical initial foundation that's needed by which you can then evolve up that so-called food chain, so to speak, to, to try to reach that ultimate truth or reality just by listening to shows like yours. Uh, unfortunately, there's, there's, too, there's too few um, and far in between. You, your show, I think, is exceptional. Uh, I commend you again. Thank you, Bob, very but, much. But you're, you're welcome. But we, we, the fact that we uh, have an interest in this area is, again, the first step. But let's take it to the next level and then next. Of course, read some books on it. Go into the journals and read some studies. Educate oneself about what we're talking about. Um, and I think by doing so, it stimulates more, like you said, intuition, that gut feeling. Mm -hmm. There's more truth to it. How many times have we said I should have listened to my gut feeling? And oftentimes the first thing that pops into your mind is the truth, only to get clouded away by the brain's over-analysis of the issue. Uh, and in hindsight, we know what we should have done, unfortunately. But we're talking about something so fundamental. And when we're talking about OBEs and NDEs and UFOs, again, we're talking about symptoms of a much bigger overarching issue. Am I the brain? What is ultimate reality? Um, and is this all an illusion? Just the brain-induced uh, neurologic representation of incoming physical energy that, that, that the brain is converting to a form of energy that, that it only understands, the neuroelectric, of course. I, I, can't, I can't accept. I can't accept the fact that, that that's me, that I'm a neurologic representation of photons being emitted from the Big Bang 14 billion years ago. Because uh, that's essentially what we're experiencing. You know, folk light energy reflecting off everything that we see. Um, is that reality? Well, at some level it is, but it's a piece of the spectrum of reality. Just like, you know, 20 to 20,000 hertz frequency 
is a piece of the auditory spectrum or the rainbow, just a piece of the light. We all know that. We know. We all know, of course, that energy exists that's not perceivable. Well, does that apply to consciousness as well? And these other phenomena that we're talking about, the things that people are experiencing in all of its enigmatic ways. And we're not talking about a few people in the woods with a bottle of booze in their hand. We're talking about millions of people worldwide throughout time and possibly billions. We're talking about 200 million individuals in the United States alone who have a near-death experience, let alone interactions with UFOs and associated out-of-body experiences. And why are they so transformed the way they are when they have these types of experiences? There's a cause-effect relationship here that we do not fully understand. And consciousness, of course, is a key component of it. There's something about uh, there's something about consciousness, whatever it is, uh, that is fundamental to all of these uh, contact modalities or trigger peak trigger experiences, and there is a that that fundamental uniform aspect to it. Consciousness is telling us that we are different than the brain, and that we can persist after brain death. That's what this information is telling us. I'm not saying that it's fact or valid. I'm saying there are hints out of all this evidence that's telling us that this is true. It remains to be seen, obviously. Uh, I'd love to document it. I mean, I am a scientist, but I'm, I'm, I'm not a hardcore materialist. I like to be, think I'm open-minded and, and right down the middle, not swayed one way or the other. Mm -hmm. But uh, you can't let our biases, biases you know, dictate our decisions on these kind of matters. We need to think with our heart, with our stomach, and a little bit of brain material as well. But collectively, not just left brain and that's it, all or none. As uh, gee, I get so frustrated listening to some of these uh, hardcore scientists that are unyielding in, in their ability to even accept ESP, let alone uh, the other things that we are talking about, and if there's anything I say with certainty, again, is ESP is real. Yes. If anyone doubts it, don't. It's real. It's real. Bob, um, when we when we come back from this, this are too. Yeah. When we come back from the bottom of the hour break, we're going to have about uh, uh, ten minutes left. Let's talk about uh, biophotons, and then let's talk about a new paradigm shift. Dr. Robert Davis is the author of Unseen Forces, The Integration of Science, Reality, and You. Uh, it's an excellent book. There are endnotes uh, that invite the reader to do further exploration that run from page 217 to 286. So there's a wealth of information in here that is footnoted and uh, just begs you to look further. I'm reminded... Uh, folks of the conversation that Carl Sagan had with Bud Hopkins in an elevator. They had been on a, uh, a TV program together. And Sagan looked at Bud Hopkins and said, extraordinary claims demand extraordinary evidence. Bud Hopkins looked at Carl Sagan and said, extraordinary claims demand Extraordinary Investigations. Sagan smiled and said, Touche, let me know when your next case is unfolding.
I'm Scott Colborn with our special guest, Bob Davis, Dr. Robert Davis, the author of Unseen Forces, along with Jim here. We'll be right back after this. The Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for This Week in Lincoln comes from the local venues with listings here. This is live music happening this week in Lincoln. On Saturday, April 27th, Crescent Moon's fourth annual Moonfest runs from 5 to 11 p.m. with the Dirty Lowdown Dogs, Grace Lundy, the Wildwoods Duo, Jack Hotel, and Big Daddy Caleb and the Chargers. Josh Hoyer and Soul Colossal play Duffy's Tavern at 9 with The Wise. Meadowlark Coffee hosts a fundraiser for the Lincoln Zen Center beginning at 7 with Tupelo Springfield and Lucky Possums. Frogleg begins at 9 at Bodega's Alley. The Bel Airs are back at the Zoo Bar at 6, followed at 9 by Number 13 Machine, The Morbs, and Silver Sphere. Trap Beckham comes to the Royal Grove at 9, and the Bourbon Theater hosts Rival Sons with the Sheepdogs beginning at 8 p.m. That's live music happening this week in Lincoln. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me neither a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. There are many conservative Christian perspectives on the radio today. But there is a place for a dialogue between faith and science. For interfaith conversation in the interest of peace and understanding. For a non-literalist perspective on the Bible, because it was never intended as a weapon. I'm Beth Menhusen. And I'm Richard Randolph. Join us every Saturday here on KCUM from 9 to 10 a.m. for Counterbalance, Progressive Christian Voices. We'll discuss spiritual, social, and ethical issues. We'll be interviewing authors and experts, and we'll be taking your phone calls. That's Counterbalance, every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. here on KZUM. And stay tuned after our program today at 12 noon for my buddy Ed Rumbaugh with Beta Radio, and he's doing a program of jazz today that has a flavor of food about it. And you'll learn more from Ed in just a few minutes. Bob, we have uh, about 10 minutes remaining here. Uh, what can you tell us about biophotons and uh, the need for a paradigm shift? Well, they're, they're interrelated uh, in the sense that we, we need to uh, develop new theories, new concepts that integrate what we're talking about, the anomalous experience, the, parent, the paranormal, the unexplained, whatever you may want to call about it. It falls under the heading to a peak experience. And um, if any members of your listening audience hasn't yet bought any of uh, uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley's books, uh, through Visionary Living, her, her, her publishing company, um, they need to because it's a wealth of critical information that provides uh, the reader 
with more than sufficient information about what these phenomena are all about. Uh, not that she has definitive answers. We Nobody really does. But there's significant evidence there to question the current state of affairs with respect to what reality is is or true reality is and what may be the ultimate reality as as analyzed through the unexplained. But we need to um, uh, have a better understanding about these personal experiences that millions of people have. Uh, and that requires that paradigm shift from materialism or realism, as I mentioned earlier, to idealism. It's necessary because so many well-balanced individuals are trying to interact with alternate realities and, and associated beings in this, these realities um, that suggest that there's somehow a non-physical component to reality that's regarded as real than real. Uh, and it's such a significant, impactful experience by that individual who has uh, a peak experience in all of its manifestations that they're again changed largely for the positive in terms of their psycho-spiritual outcomes. So we need this paradigm shift to better uh, understand what should constitute sufficient evidence, in other words, to say that this is real or not real. And we need to then incorporate subjective experience much more so than it already is as a valid measure of one's interpretation of reality and base our impression of reality on one's opinion, belief, experience. Uh, so we need that paradigm shift. And, and when we talk about the need for a paradigm shift, it becomes all the more necessary when we start to see uh, non-physical like uh, effects of consciousness as it's manifested in many of the unexplained uh, issues that we are addressing, like ESP, for instance. Here we have an invisible pathway, shall we say, between one mind and another. Uh, this this subtle connection that's that we can't see, uh, like we can't see sound energy or, or electromagnetic energy, but this. A torsion energy, which is a type of energy that biophotons uh, generate from the brain, uh, may very well act as a carrier field of electromagnetic interactions that do interact non-locally, meaning meaning they can they can travel instantaneously without regard for space or time, and this is why people who are in an office building in the Pentagon somewhere can see what type of missiles are being built in some remote location in the Soviet Union. Uh, I don't say that off the cuff. This is what was done during the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union. We had remote viewers, I think, uh, and that's a fact. People trained to do just this. Well, what are they doing? And with great accuracy, they were, they were successful in, in gaming secrets. Um, both Russia and the United States were doing it. Uh, what's happening here? Well, non-locality. There is some type of subtle connection between their mind and uh, a target remote from their vantage point, obviously, thousands of miles, yet they're able to perceive it, accurately describe it, just like people who have OBEs mm -hmm. and NDEs. 
report that they do, and, and there is some evidence, uh, research evidence, that validates the accuracy of these perceptions remote from the body who have, in, in those who have an OBD. So the point is, there's, there's sufficient um, sufficient documentation of, of um, biophotons, these, again, these, these um, ultra-weak photons of, of light energy being generated by DNA and the brain itself, uh, that show an increase in intensity and number when, again, one is engaged uh, in uh, uh, something called, uh, uh, what's it called, distant um, um, intention, using intention to implement distant healing in another. And preliminary experiments show that, that there is this cause-effect relationship between the mind, consciousness, and the generation point of an increase in, in this form of torsion energy. question here again is, is this consciousness? Is this the subtle connection, the invisible link between minds? And how can we best utilize it, again, for the benefit of the individual and possibly society, as we mentioned earlier? And this is one of the most important points, which is why I'm, I'm saying it twice. And I had that habit of repeating myself. But here we have, what? What are we talking about? Um, uh, call it a higher dimensional field that's linked with consciousness. Uh, and there's, there's sufficient theories uh, derived mathematically intuitively, creatively, by great thinkers to justify the existence of other dimensions. This is not, uh, this is not science fiction. Stephen Hawking, Mich Michio Kaku, uh, leading physicists, have uh, firmly ascribed to the concept of the multiverse or multiple realities where, where beings may coexist in another alternate space and time that coexists with ours. And the question is, are people who have OBEs, NDEs, piercing the veil and actually interacting with what we know exists on a theoretic level, mathematically, by, again, proposed by great minds and accepted as valid? The stern theory is accepted as valid. And that's a hyperdimensional theory, uh, multiverse, quantum hologram theory of consciousness there are a lot of theories out there, but they all say basically the same thing. Uh, and that is that there does exist alternate dimensions. And what does that mean? What does that mean? Are people, in other words, experiencing it? And, and we see only hints and glimpses of it that leave us more than curious. Uh, that we don't understand, obviously, because we don't, of course, have the scientific principles to explain it. So we're still in our infancy in trying to understand uh, probably what will be a much more understood fundamental concept, or who knows what. But mm -hmm. it's certainly uh, going to happen <laughs> long after I'm gone. And maybe when I am gone, I'll, I'll fully realize that there's another dimension, and I'm fully aware of it, possibly, without this um, old suit, so to speak. Uh, but it's, it's hard to make sense. It truly is hard to make sense of all of this. Well, I think, you, I think requires... you've done, Bob, I think you've done a, a really good job on help, <clears throat> helping us to make sense of this. And I'm going to be recommending your book to people. Um, I know a little bit about what goes into writing a book like this. And so, again, I want to thank you very much. 
and wish you a congratulations on the publication. I hope it's read by a lot of people, uh, and I hope that you're around, Bob, for a long time. If, if you ever want to go to a quote-unquote UFO conference that's all about consciousness, Paula Harris puts on the Starworks USA UFO Symposium every November in Laughlin, Nevada. And uh, I'm on the board of directors, so I'm a little bit biased, but it's a great conference. And I think, uh, Bob, that you would really appreciate and fit in quite well with the speakers from all over the world, with the uh, conference participants and audience. Um, Again, sir, thank you so much. I know that you were on Coast to Coast last night, so I don't know if you've had any sleep yet, but... (laughs) Thank you so much for taking time to be with us, Bob. Well, uh, more importantly, thank you for all the wonderful things you do for your listeners and uh, and for society in, in your own unique way. Thank you very much. This is Dr. Robert Davis, a neuroscientist, former college professor. He's written 60, over 60 articles and three books. The latest is Unseen Forces. The Integration of Science, Reality, and You. Bob Davis's website is very easy to remember and to get to. It's BobDavisSpeaks.com. Jim, we've got a friend of ours in the studio here, Mr. Ed Rumbaugh. Yes, we do. And uh, when I read his description of today's program, suddenly it got me hungry. Yeah, the, the flavor of food. What are you doing today, Ed? May your food have flavor. Well, I'm doing uh, jazz about related to food, if if nothing else other than in the title. But I'm starting off with one dedicated to you, Scott. Uh Uh-oh. It's called 40 Cups of Coffee. (laughs) Yay! Your whole day secret plan right there laid out in front of people. I've I've had the first, I think, three. I think three, yeah. Yep. Okay, it's going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned just a matter of minutes for Mr. Ed Rumbaugh with Beta Radio and some food-flavored jazz, some jazz-flavored food, eh, maybe a little bit of all that. Okay, next week, Jim, we've got Lee Harris, uh, Energy Speaks, Messages from Spirit on Living, Loving, and Awakening. Um, And Jim, thank you very much for your participation. What do you have planned for the rest of the day? Uh, just the usual, go home and uh, play radio. and Play shortwave radio. Play shortwave radio. <laughs> Two-way radio. I'm going to play some guitar today, and then later on I'm going to mow a lawn. That's what's in store for me. Sounds like fun. Folks, thank you so much. We looked at the Lister map, and we had people in the United Kingdom, in the Netherlands, in Germany, people up in Canada, lots of folks in the States. Thank you so much for listening today, for being part of the Exploring Unexplained Phenomena family. I'm Scott Colborn, and until next week, walk in beauty.